As you're having a seat, uh, we're going to invite our children to go back to Children's Church and um, invite y'all to open your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter number 3. As our children go, we can uh, be in prayer for them that they're learning. Um, they're about to begin a study in the book of Joshua. Um, each month uh, through the curriculum that we use, they go through a different book of the Bible and, uh, and pick up different themes from those books of the Bible. Um, but then as we are here this morning, uh, we're here um, not only in the presence of one another, but in the presence of our Father. Right? His Spirit is with us. Have you experienced the Spirit with us today? Yeah? Isn't that a good, beautiful thing? Um, we, we want to be able to do this every day, throughout our days. But uh, I, I would imagine that sometimes your days get a little bit hectic and get a little bit of, they get ahead of you before you get ahead of your day. And so, you know, while we long for those times, this morning, let's just be present here, in his presence, in the presence of one another. And if this is the time that you get this week, let's receive it as a gift. Let's just receive this opportunity to be with our Lord in the fellowship of believers as a gift that it is. Uh, will y'all bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord, sometimes we need to see your majesty. I think about Isaiah in Isaiah 6, seeing this vision where uh, the, the, the heavenly throne room, uh, Lord, uh, is filled with your majesty, your magnificence, your wonder, your awe. Uh, Lord, sometimes uh, we need you as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need you raw and earthy. Uh, Lord, uh, today uh, we thank you that you are both. You are the one who is majestic on high. And the one who humbled himself, carved in flesh, and the man Lord, you are uh, you reign above uh, the, the universe, above the heavens, and yet your spirit you dwell with us, in us and among us. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that after today we would be present with you as you are present with us. Uh, Lord, I pray that after that uh, as we gather from you that which we need so that we can live lives that are honorable that we can live in a way in such a way that we honor others that we extend love and grace and kindness hospitality and generosity this week no matter if that means that uh, 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 people are kind and honoring and generous towards us or not 
Uh, Lord, I pray and I also ask that you would help us to live lives of character uh, that are a witness and a testimony. with your spirit, Lord, I pray that today would be that day, that they would receive you, your gift of, of fellowship, your salvation, Lord, the gift of your spirit and your forgiveness. God, I pray and I ask that you would be with me as I proclaim your word. May I do well, God, not for vainglory, although there is plenty of vanity within me, but so that your word can be conveyed mightily and powerfully. Uh, might your spirit empower this word, Lord. God, I pray and I ask that everything that we do would be, uh, well, like we receive all the good that we get, Lord, from you. But Lord, may we also, uh, in receiving the good, good gift from you, Lord, might we bring you honor and glory. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, you hear this, God is watching you. God is watching. What does that do to you? Does that strike fear in your heart? God is watching you. Does it maybe bring up some doubt? Oh, God's watching, really? Okay. Did you watch the news this week? Because I watched the news. Some of it I, had, I wanted to turn away from. It was so gruesome. So grisly. Um, does it bring hope? Peace to you? God is watching. Thank God you're watching. You see what's going on. You hear my prayers. Now, it can strike hope or fear based on some, uh, some, some various considerations. I mean, for one, it can strike fear in your heart if you know that you're not doing what you need to be doing, right? I mean, there's a reason why Adam and Eve went and hid, isn't it? They disobeyed. So they ran and they hid. I'm afraid. But it also could be this thing where you, you either were taught or you presume some things about God's character that... that that make you respond in, in, in such a way, either fear or hope, right? Maybe it was used like that. Maybe it was used of, 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 of parents or, or, or Sunday school teachers, or, may, or maybe just you had it in your, in your, in your mind and your heart because you watched cartoons where, where, where a lightning bolt would come down and strike somebody, and it was like, God's watching. Uh, Peter uses this image. In the text that we're going to look at today, he uses the image of the Lord being attentive. The Lord paying attention, being attentive to the evil, to, to the righteous and to the wicked. God is watching. And that's what we want to get at. We want to get at the heart of like, hey, what, what is Peter trying to convey here whenever he says God is watching? I don't want to take my, my presuppositions in there. I don't want to take my preconceived notions in there. I want to hear what Peter, the pastor to these chosen exiles, what's he trying to get out whenever he says, hey, 
I want you to do all this, and by the way, God is watching. What's he trying to tell the chosen exiles? That's the question that we're going we're gonna to come to, and, and I hope that we can get there uh, today where we can kind of get at what Peter's heart is here. Um, and, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll just tell you ahead of time so that we, so that we can just see it. I, I think first and foremost, Peter is trying to give them hope. Hope and peace. But I also do believe that Peter is trying to give them a bit of a warning, of a pause for consideration about so that they can keep their character, their attitude in check. So I don't think Peter is using it one way. I would say Peter is probably using it both and, not either or. So we'll come and we'll unpack that. Um, but let's do this. Let's remember and how we're going to get there is we have to remember the context, right? We have to remember the context of who Peter's talking to, why, what he's talking to them about, you know, and, and that will help us go, okay, so why does he use, why does he pick up Psalm 34 and bring it into his lesson and say, hey, don't forget Psalm 34, God is watching. Well, who's Peter talking to? He's talking to chosen exiles. Remember where he said they're chosen not instead of others, they're chosen for the sake of Others, for the sake of this world, are we chosen? Right? Abraham wasn't chosen so that he could go and he could be the blessed family. He was chosen uh, in, in, to receive a blessing and to be a blessing to all the nations. Uh, Israel's call was not just to be blessed and to, to be arrogant. They were to be an exemplary community to the nations around them. Drawing people to Yahweh, to the Lord, to the I Am, and away from the idols. Right, so they're chosen exiles. They're, they're, they're living. They're, they're living in these in these new communities, and we believe this is a pr practical reality for them that they were that they probably were part of the diaspora of uh, the people who were deported out of Rome in uh, in, in around uh, in, in the middle part of the uh, first century, and they ended up in Asia Minor. And not only are they uh, socially now part in a different uh, context, but spiritually they're in a different context. Uh, they were pagans, and now they are worshiping, uh, they're worshiping, and they're following Jesus, and they're worshiping uh, Yahweh, the I Am. They're filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, some of them were pagans. Some of them were, were Jews who, 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 who continue to worship Yahweh, but they believe that the promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so it sets them apart even from their Jewish brothers and sisters a little bit. They're unique. They're peculiar. And it's a new movement. It's not, it's not been around for a long time. I mean, we're talking about like within like 20 to 30 years from the time that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. 20 years, maybe 30 years later, Peter is writing to these chosen exiles. It's a new movement. The society doesn't know, hey, uh, what is this movement about? They, they don't, they, they, they reject all the gods of the pantheon, right? They're not worshiping at the pagan feast. Are they disruptors in our society? Are they coming to destroy our society? Are they coming to break us down and tear us apart? Are they a threat to Rome? Are they a threat to our community? Are they a threat to us? Or should we welcome them because they are for the good of our community? Should we welcome them because they are uh, not for our destruction, but they are here to bring life? 
They're held in suspicion. Who are these people? And so Peter says, hey, you're going to be held in suspicion. People, it's, it's not a question of if, it's when. People are going to hold you in suspicion because you are not going to do the same things that your culture does around you. You're not going to be worshiping at the same place that they're worshiping. You're not going to be engaging in all the horrendous acts uh, uh, that, that, that go on uh, with that worship. All the lascivious acts that go on with that worship. Uh, you're going to be different. If we said today as a, as a congregation, and there have been Christians who have done this through the ages, we said, you know what? We're not celebrating July 4th anymore. And we're not going to be a part of what happens on those 4th of July celebrations. People would go, well, well, you're weird. You're strange. What's going on with you? Well, you're not going to be a patriot. You're not going to God bless America with me. I mean, people would be scared. This is what we have to think about. This is the community that he's talking to. It's not if, it's when. And so, his, so he sets out in chapter 2, verse 11, this principle. Here's what you need to do. You need to live honorable or exemplary lives. So that even if people hold you in suspicion, even if they speak evil against you, on the day of visitation, on the day when Jesus comes and he, he, he sets up his judgment throne, on that day, they will give glory to God. They will be among those who give glory to God. We want you to live honorable, exemplary lives. He's set up this principle in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and now he's just been applying it. He's been applying it. He applied it to, 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 to the chosen exiles in general. He says, y'all are citizens, and, and this is how you should treat your, your governing authorities. You should treat them honorably. A couple of things that I want to say as an aside uh, when we talk about that is, is that doesn't mean that you can't, you can't stand up against injustice or oppression or corruption or, when you see it. But, but I will say this, and this is kind of a burden that I have about, about maybe American citizens in general, but, but definitely for the church, for those who call themselves disciples of Jesus. You, you know, there is a way to stand up against all these things, and, and that's what we need to talk about. It's the way in which we do it. The way in which we do it. One thing that kind of came to my mind is, you know, we have, we have this particular governing uh, structure where we can speak out to our representatives. And we could, we could set meetings with them and we could say, this is what we want to see done. But you know what I see happening instead? We don't talk to people. We don't address our representatives. We talk about them. We're the, we're, we look like the children of Israel, wandering through the wilderness, mumbling, grumbling, complaining about everything. In case in point, let me just say, not even the, the big government, I'm talking about local stuff, I'm talking about school stuff. I can't tell you how many times I get on Friends with Moms and Dads on Facebook, and somebody goes, can you tell me why the school district did this? And I'm thinking, I bet if you picked up the phone and you called the administrative office, you could set a meeting with somebody, and you could actually find out. But instead of talking to somebody... We talk about them. This is the kind of stuff that Peter is saying, you don't do that. That's not how you treat somebody honorably. That's not how you honor another individual. Do you like to be talked about or talked to? Right? Isn't one of the most painful things in the world, people talking about you? Oh, man, the whispers. Side text. Subtext. Uh, Brittany and I, we actually had to address something in this school uh, this year. Um, and, and, and it was one of those things where, 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 where we, we started addressing, hey, what's going on? Can you give us some information? And 
And we found out that we raised an issue and a concern that they didn't even know about. Well, well we were just sitting there. Well, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe. And, and the school's like, I'm just naive to it. I didn't know. I was ignorant of it. So, be honorable citizens. It talks about servants and masters. We, you, we could apply this to our vocational work. Some of y'all work for some really wonderful people. Some of y'all work for some really terrible people. Some of y'all are really great bosses. Some of you have not been so great bosses, right? Uh, you, then he talks about husbands and wives, and we talked about this over the last few weeks. But now he's applying this principle. He's applying it to the chosen exiles themselves as they find themselves in community with one another. So what is that community called? It's called the ecclesia, the church. And throughout all of Upper Asia Minor, you're going to have these, 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 these in, in all these cities, you're going to have these little pockets of these chosen exiles living in community with one another. And so he's about to address them. How do you live in community with one another? And then how is you as a community, because as a, as a group of people, you're going to be known in that community. How are you as a community going to interact with the community around you? And so that's what he's doing here in chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. So let's go ahead and read the text. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Y'all all pitiful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's have a pitiful, like have pity on each other. It could be tenderhearted. Be, be sympathetic with one another. You pitifuls. Uh, be pitiful. Be courteous. Be thoughtful. Do not render evil for evil or railing for railing. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called. What are we called to? Are we called to get vindication, get vengeance? Are we called to bring blessing? So that you should inherit a blessing. You are called to be a blessing so that you might inherit a blessing. For, and then he picks up and he, and he goes back to Psalm 34. And he's already quoted Psalm 34 actually in chapter 2 verse 3. But he goes back to Psalm 34 and he says... For, as the psalm says, that's what that for is supposed to mean there. Like, for is just think about what the scripture says. Uh, in accordance to the scriptures, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Because God is watching, right? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So, as he's applying this principle about living honorably, he says, let's apply it to you, chosen exiles, as you live together, as you commune with one another, as you come into fellowship with one another. And he says, as you, as you do this, you should have one mind. This, this, this word is, uh, could be like a harmonious mind. Now, one commentator said it like this. He said, he's not asking for uniformity. He's asking for unanimity. Unanimity. Unanimous. You should have a, 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 an overwhelming spirit that is kind of, hey, this is the vision. This is the direction. And we're going there. 
This is the character we're walking in. Right? He says, okay, so I, I want you all to have a, like live in harmony with one another. I want you to take care of one another. Now think about this. If you are a group of people who are held in suspicion, and maybe you are a, a young man, and you are forsaking the tradition of your fathers, and you're forsaking the, the, the pagan, idolatrous ways of your, of your ancestors, how do you think your family is going to treat you? What do you think they're going to do? I met a man, actually, from, um, uh, oh, man. Uh, from Iran. I met him last Sunday. He's a believer. Now, actually, I'm, I'm going to talk to him, and hopefully we'll have him here with our, for our mission conference, because uh, he does, he does uh, Muslim missions here in Houston. Um, but he became a believer. He, he trusts Jesus. Uh, he sees that uh, it's not Allah, it's Yahweh. He's filled with the Spirit. And... Um, I was asking him how his family took to that. And he said, you know, he said, I, I witnessed to my father for years. And, and, and on his deathbed, he said, I know what's true now. And he said, so I have great hope that he's with the Lord. But he said that there's part, some of his family, his mom has trusted Christ, but siblings haven't. That strained their relationships. So I, I want us to think about this because if this is the practical lived scenario of an individual, they are kicked out of their community, they need to find a new community. The church in its, in, in, in its vibrancy isn't just this social club that you go to on Sunday mornings. So whenever he thinks about the church and being a community and being a, a place where you, you, you find fellowship, it's not just like, hey, we want to make sure that everybody has a, a job serving it's about bringing people into your family. And so all this language that he uses, you just got to think, this is what, how should you be in your family? Now, here's what I would say is we could preach about this, but I think we experience that a lot here at Friendswood Baptist Church. I, 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 that's one of the things, and I, I can I almost get emotional thinking about this if, I, if I'm just going to give into it. So I'm going to kind of be strong, but I can tell you in, in, in the times where I've been so discouraged and Actually, I'll just share it with you. This summer, I just was sitting there, and we experienced so much death and so much loss. And people, people moving on. And, 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 and in the height of the summer, I was just sitting there going, God, are we just, is this, am I just watching the slow demise of Friends with Baptist Church? And what has been so encouraging, and what God showed me, it, of this community together, the love that you have for one another, the encouragement, the support. Now, I will say, some of you probably have not experienced that from time to time, and I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm sorry that that happened. I, I, it should be an ideal that we strive for, but we also have to be careful about this. It, it, we, we, we need to do this, but also we can't be in the place of expectation. You better be doing this for me. That's, that's, this mutual community should be a community where we each esteem others better than ourselves. And in fact, if somebody does let us down, we should be the community where we actually go sit down and have a conversation. You know what's great dysfunction in a family? Is whenever, is whenever my sibling and I are having a frustration and I go to my other sibling and I just 
what, did, did you, I talk about them and not talk to them. See, I talked about that earlier. Talking to somebody instead of about somebody. Look, if I've let you down, I need to know it. Just like the school district, maybe I didn't even know. I've had people leave this church because they said to somebody who was reaching out, checking on them because they hadn't seen them in a while, that nobody checked on them to find out why they hadn't seen them in a while. And I'm like, well, that person is. And they were like, well, th you did, but they didn't. So we have to keep our hearts in check about this. It's not that I hold you accountable for, you better be kind and courteous and pitiful and you know, tenderhearted towards me. It's, it, I better keep myself in check that I'm being kind, that I'm being courteous, that, that I'm being mindful of you. So, so that's, that, that's one thing that I would say. We experience it, and we have to guard our hearts. That Because we experience it, we have to guard our hearts against those times that we don't experience it. And then if we don't experience it, we need to actually handle it the way that it needs to be handled. And if we're going to live honorable lives and we're going to honor all people, then you honor somebody by going and having a conversation with them. You don't honor them by talking about them behind their back. You don't honor them by getting a group of cronies who go, yeah, they're terrible. I can't believe they did that to you. You honor them by going and sitting down and saying, I love you. And because I love you, I have to share this with you. Or you honor them by just saying, God, I, I, I'm not going to be able to talk to them about this. But God, you have to heal my heart. Because I cannot have an embittered, resentful heart towards this brother or sister. That will not bring a harmonious, a one-mindedness, a unanimous mind to our community. That will bring division and discord. So God, please, don't let me be the one who brings division and discord. I, I do see in this, though, and I shared this on Friday. I don't know how many of y'all read it in the email. And if you read it, you get to hear it again. If you didn't read it... Here's something that I, I think is an opportunity for us as a community. Um, Scott McKnight says, if you are going to see yourselves as a community, like if the church is going to see itself as a place where fellowship happens, where community takes place, then it has to be more than having a coffee hour. I read this in my study this week, and I was like, oh, well, we just started a coffee hour. <laughs> I was like, we're doing community. And then he was like, well, it's not just having a coffee hour. And I was like, okay, well, let me... Let me pay attention. Let me listen here, you know. And he says, here, here's, here's the mark. He, he said, this is, it's his opinion, but I thought it was so astute. He said, he said listen, it's, if you're going to see yourself as a community and, and, and really fostering the idea of community, it, it, the, the metric is, is how you welcome and incorporate people into your fellowship. He said, some churches are really great at greeting people. Some churches are really great at integrating people, but he says it's really, it has to be both. It has to be how you greet and welcome people and then how you get them plugged into fellowship. Now, I can tell you, this is where I think there's an opportunity for Friends of the Baptist Church that we need to pay attention to. And, and I'm just going to share this with you. One Sunday morning, we had some visitors coming in. And we, because we have this group, this group that loves each other, and we're so excited to see each other every week, we, people could come into our church, and you could be engaged in conversation. And I, I've seen this happen. And, and, and I, I, I greeted somebody who was first-time visitors at the door, and they walked in, and there was 
there was people, I, I called it walking the gauntlet in my brain. There were all these people having conversations uh, in that, that main thoroughfare right there between those two doors. And they walked in and everybody was in so much conversation, not one person said anything to them. And now listen, I know that there's this balance because it's like, we're a small church and you don't want to be too eager, right? Like, hey! <laughs> it's like a, like, like a junior high boy with a pretty girl, you know, uh, like, oh, she says she likes me. I like her too. We're, we're in love. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, we don't want to be too eager. I get that. Like, oh, there, there's a new person. Hey, I'm awkward. And I'm, you know, you know welcome, welcome, welcome. We've been so thirsty, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so I get that, but also we don't want to do that thing where somebody comes in and they're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like I didn't have a place because nobody noticed me. And so I'm not great at this. I know uh, uh, I'm great at greeting people. I, I think that incorporating each other into fellowship, that's the thing that we really need to get going on here a little bit too. And so here's what I would encourage y'all just pastorally. What I would say is if we're going to do this, then it can't just be like this expectation, like, Hey, well, you know, there, there was visitors, and I bet I bet Macaulay's going to connect with them this week. I, I would encourage us as a community, if we're going to be a community that incorporates people into our community, then it's like, hey, I'm going to take some ownership, and I'm going to say, hey, you want to have coffee, or hey, can I can I call you sometime? We can we can get together for dinner. Or, I'm going to invite you over to my house. It has, this is a mutual thing that we all have to do together. And, and really, I, I, I just, you know, this is, again, one of those fear and trembling things. But, but I think it's something that we need to be aware of. And, and some of y'all, if you're sitting there and you're going, I do that all the time, then, then I, I would tell you, don't let that, don't let a defensive spirit come up within you. Just say, he's not talking to me right now. <laughs> uh, maybe let the Lord say, yeah, you're doing that and good job. Right, but if you're not doing it, or if it seems, if you see it as an opportunity that you go, yeah, okay, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Or, or maybe you go, man, I'm just too timid to be able to do that. Maybe you can share that with somebody, and y'all could, that you think is bolder in that way, and y'all could do it together. So that's an opportunity that I see. And so now, uh, let's get down to like the question. Then Peter says all this. He says, y'all need to live this way. Well, uh, first of all, that's how you live together. And how you live in regard to the world is you live, you bless those who persecute you. You do good to those who, who speak evil against you, right? And that, that's not new. So I, I, I can teach on that, but do we need to teach on that, right? Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus exemplified it in his life. Peter's already told us about it in chapter 2 whenever he uses Christ's example. He says he was reviled and he did not revile. He was condemned and he did not condemn. Peter is telling us what he's been telling us, and I could tell you again ad nauseum, but I think we get it, right? It's a challenge. That doesn't mean that we live up to it all the time, but we should get it. Like, if somebody is treating us poorly, we don't have the right. We don't have the justification to go, well, I'm going to treat them poorly back. If something doesn't go our way. We don't have, well, it's not an honorable thing for us to do to get on some social media and just blast. I don't care if it's an individual or an institution. It's just not the character that Christ wants us to have. If somebody hurts you, you don't have 
the right, the privilege, the freedom. Yes, you have, but you should not use this freedom for maliciousness. If somebody hurts you, you should not say, well, they're never getting a smile from me again. They're not going to get good from me. Practically, I would just think about this. One thing that Peter wants them to think about is like, hey, look, you are going to be in a community within this community that's going to be, and you're going to be held in suspicion. And, and so people are going to do bad business towards you. How are you going to respond to those bad actors? And, and, and I thought, man, like, think about a business person who's just been nasty and trying to take advantage of some of these chosen exiles. And then he has tragedy in his family and they bring him a warm meal in the time of his tragedy. That act of honoring that person will bring a godly shame, not a condemning shame, a godly shame that will lead that person to repentance. So that's what Peter wants to have happen there. Okay, now to our question. God is watching. Peter says in Psalm 34, God is watching. What does he want them to do? I think two things. One, he wants to hope, give them hope. Hey, listen, I'm calling you. You're called to be a blessing no matter what, even whenever blessings aren't being poured out unto you. And he says, this is what you're called unto. And guess what? God is paying attention. He's paying attention. He's watching you. And he, he, he knows your plight. And his ears are open to your prayers. God sees. Hey, listen, I know it looks like every evil thing is going on unchecked. But you have to remember God is watching. God is watching. He sees all your prayers are being heard. And I would invite us to think about like, like after 400 years in Egypt and, and, and however long of that was in slavery, God comes to Abram, uh, um, to Moses in the burning fiery bush and he says, I have heard the cries of my people. I've heard the cries of my people. He hears, he watches, he's paying attention. Your, the injustice, the oppression, the, uh, the, 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 the way that somebody, uh, you know, uh, did you wrong in a bad business deal, you know, whatever. All those things. God sees all of it. Take hope, my friend. God sees all of it. So he, he's watching that. He's also watching, and y'all should understand, it says his face is against the evil, but you should know that it's the same preposition. That's all that's used there as a preposition. It's not actually, uh, 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 you know, uh, that's a, it's a preposition. And it's the same preposition. Epi is used to uh, talk about um, God's ears or eyes. It says the eyes of the Lord are over. That over right there is epi. And the face of the Lord is against. That against is epi. It's the same one. Same thing. So God is watching all of it. He's watching the good and he's watching the evil. And this goes into the Christian theological conviction that, hey, I know that there is a God in heaven who one day will render a right judgment because this world does not render a right judgment. It does not offer justice, reconciliation, and peace. But God is promising us that he will make all things right. And so we, he, he's, he's giving them hope and this theological conviction. Listen, you don't have to get it right now. What you are called to is not to getting it right or making it right. You are called to be a blessing even whenever it's not going right. When they're not doing right. 
So it's hope. It's like, okay, God, here's my prayers. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, this is a hope that we have to hold on to because there's so much fear that we are being fed. And so much of my us going to First Peter is because I see the fear in people. We are losing a hold of our society that we once knew. What's going to happen to America? What's going to happen for our grandchildren? I'm so afraid. And I get it. And those fears are real and they're not unfounded. But we are not called to be a people of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love, of power, of a sound mind. And, and, and we are being swept away by media of all sorts, by, by social media of all sorts, where our hearts are being swept away into fear and panic. And we have to be the people who say, no, my God hears my prayers. He listens to me. He knows the plight of what's going on. He knows what's going on in the hearts and minds of people. Listen, he, he knows the evil actors on both sides, and he knows the just actors on both sides. He's watching it all. So first of all, it is hope. I'm grounded in hope that I'm not going to be afraid. So my brothers and sisters, instead of us mumbling, grumbling, complaining about, well, did you see what the government did? Take action if you need to take action. Call who you want to call and have reasonable conversations. But when you do it, do it honorably. Do it in the wisdom that James tells us to do it. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Don't go in there saying, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say, hey, here's what you're doing. I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? It doesn't seem to be the way that I would go about doing it. So we can do those things. But then if you can't do that or if you're not willing to do that, you can do this other thing. You can go to God and you can pray. You can stop letting your heart be filled with fear and anger and resentment and, 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 and all the things that are just killing our society, really. It's not all these things on the exterior. It's right here that's destroying us. And Christians, we have to be the ones who are different actors. And so we go to God and we say, God, here's my fears. And this is what I'm worried about. But I trust that you see it. And I'm cry, crying out to you for deliverance, God, for rescue, for renewal. And don't you walk away and go, I don't know if that did any good. I know my God heard me. I know he listened to me. I know he cares about me. I know he, I know he cares. He cared about the slaves who were being oppressed for hundreds of years in our society. And one day he delivered them. American government didn't deliver them. My God delivered them. My God delivered them. He knows about the person who is enslaved in body dysmorphia. And he doesn't want you and me to be afraid about that person. He wants us to have compassion on that person. And he wants to free them from this not knowing who they are. From them being lost in an identity crisis and the first thing that he wants to fix with them is let them know that every last one of us whether we know who we are or not every last one of us has a seat at the table with him first and foremost you i love you with an everlasting love i sent my son jesus to rescue you from all the atrocities so we don't be afraid of that we trust my god is able to deliver. And, 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 and also, he's able to deliver where no legislation can deliver. 
also wants to warn them. He's watching the good actors. He's attentively attuned to their plight and to their prayers. But he also sees the evil that's going on. And I think we should consider this. Peter has said, you are a new community. You are called to a higher standard. You are called to suffer like Christ. Not just called to suffer, but to suffer in a certain way, remember? You are called to bless so if you are not suffering in the way of Christ, or you, are not, or you are suffering because you've been doing bad, guess what? That's not what you're called to. And if you're not doing what you're called to, then you are doing evil. And so in one sense, he wants to say, hey, God sees everything that's going on, and he's going to make it right. We've got to trust that. But he's also saying, don't you get on the wrong side because you lose hope that God sees. And that's what happens, and that's what I would say, is when we lose our hope that God does see, you and I think, I have to take action. i got to get this thing whipped under control. God's obviously not going to do anything about it. i got to do something about it. And that's when you and I become evil actors. When we stop trusting that God sees the plight and hears the prayers, then you and I take it on ourselves to set things straight. And I can promise you, how you think about setting things straight and how I think about setting things straight contrast and contradict how God is going to make all things new and all things right. You and I are not going to do it. That's the great lie too, right? Well, if my team's in, in, in power, then we're going to do it well. No, corruption all over. Injustice all over. And, and some of it be, willfully and rebelliously, some of it naively. You, you bought an iPhone and you didn't know that some kid in China and his family is being oppressed so that you can have an iPhone. It's not like you're sitting there going, I want kids in China to be oppressed. I want their suicide rate to jump up because they're locked into this, this, this broken system and structure. No, I don't want to do that. Well, why are we going to China? Oh, that's right, because people are greedy. And not just them, I'm greedy. Oh my goodness, why do I want it from China? Because it's already $1,200 and I don't want to pay $2,000 for it. Right? So not one of us is going to get it right. But we follow the king of kings who has already showed us the right way forward. And what Peter has done throughout all this is give them, point them back to Jesus the whole time and say, this is the way in which you are to live honorable lives chosen exiles. My brothers and my sisters, I bring us back to Peter's words. And then I say this, God is watching. And before that ever strikes fear in your heart, it should strike hope in your heart. And the second that it stops striking hope and peace in your heart, because you know he sees, that's whenever you should be afraid because you will become the bad actor. And God sees that too. And with that, I will say, amen. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I thank you for your word. I hope and I pray that I've done diligence to your word, Lord. Where I have fallen short, may your spirit, uh, your, your spirit make up where I lack. That's my prayer, Lord. God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us over just these next few moments. I pray that you would uh, speak to us. I pray that you would, uh, yeah, just... Uh,
lead us, guide us, direct us, let us talk to you, let us hear your voice and talk to you about what you're talking to us about. That's my prayer. And uh, Lord, I pray all these things in Christ's name. Brother Mitch and the band are going